from Kurtco Media. Coming up on this episode of Life Done Better. We could just think and envision, which I think is so important and part of the process. But if you don't follow it up with action, then nothing's going to happen. Just take a tiny bit, tiny step so that you're showing the universe, hey, I'm showing up for this change, and then change and shifts start to occur. Welcome to Life Done Better. I'm your host, Jill DeYoung. Today, I'm talking to Sarah Pendrick. She is the author of the new book, Beautifully Brave, and creator of the Women's Empowerment and Self-Development event, Girl Talk Festival. We're talking today about making brave decisions, cultivating self-love, and how to feel worthy of all that you desire. Sarah was bullied at school, never felt good enough at home, and decided to leave Tennessee and move to California after many failed attempts at trying to achieve various goals, losing her dog, and parents' divorce. No plan, no money, and no job. But she knew she had to go. A brave decision that led to many more brave decisions. Sarah met her current husband and is now a serial entrepreneur, mentor, and author. A life that has been created on a journey of feeling worthless to feeling worthy. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hello, I'm so excited. I'm so glad you're here because you have such wonderful things to share. This is really a, a, a journey of not feeling good enough and then feeling worthy of it all and manifesting all these things that you've been wanting in your life and truly honoring what you truly want and not so much what other people say that you need to do, right? Yes, yes, yes. This is a big, big lesson that I have learned through life so far. <laughs> so you had this big calling in Tennessee. What age were you then? Like, and, and what did people say when, when you had this feeling you had to move to California? So I had gone away from college uh, for college and then I came back. I'd spent so much money and time to get my master's. I thought I was going to go into my PhD program, ended up going back to Tennessee to kind of like figure it out. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to continue this. I know everyone thought that I was crazy, especially you're talking about the debt that you're in from school all the time. I really wanted to move to LA. It was something that I had known since I was like 10 years old that I wanted to live here. I live by the beach. No one supported it, not in a way of like they didn't support me or believe in me. They just were having their own fears on it and they were scared for me to go to a big city. And they're like, but you're, you could be successful here. Like people know you. If you go to LA, no one's going to know who you are. You're giving up all this that you've been working for. And I wish that I could make decisions like that all the time. And I always go back to this to remind myself how brave that was. But I was like, I don't care. Like, I know that I'm supposed to do this, even though it's so freaking scary. I know that if I stayed here, that I would be miserable and I wouldn't be living out what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. So it was a deep heart's desire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. Because I also know that when I make decisions from the heart, and yeah, it may not make sense to people on the outside, I never regret my decision. Mm -hmm. Like every time I consult my heart and I act upon it, I never look back and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm always like, oh, God, thank you. Thanks for listening to yourself and not, Mm -hmm. you know, like stopping yourself from doing something that you really needed to do. Yes, exactly. So but when you arrived in LA and you did not have money, no job, no place to live, what were some of the first things you were doing and how do you open some doors for yourself? 
Yeah. So I knew that I wanted to be here. I had no idea. I had some friends here. So I just called them up, kind of started hanging out with them to be able to just know people in the city. And I started doing things. I like got a restaurant job. I worked downtown in the fashion dis- district. I literally started co- um, selling credit card machines and driving around LA. <laughs> so I was doing anything. I'm like, I, th- I was ha- I was also hard on myself because I'm like, shouldn't I have done this 10 years ago? Like, I'm like, I was going from my master's, PhD to now I'm driving around Los Angeles trying to sell things. But I actually am grateful for that time because it really allowed me to get to know the city, get to know myself even more, and then make a decision and take all the connections that I made, plus what I had learned in school just about people and the and psychology and marry it into what I wanted to do. And that's when I started my first company, which was a PR and marketing agency. And then from there, after building other people's brands once again and not really showing up for myself, I realized it's time for me to do this thing that's really been on my heart, what I came here for, and to start my own actual brand, not just be building other people's. Yeah, with all that experience and knowing that it can be done and that you're actually really good at it, now you only have to find your own voice and be brave enough to say, you know what, I'm going to do this, right? Because that's another brave decision to put yourself out there and to tell people what you think and tell people what you think you can teach them is kind of scary too, because there can be this other voice in your head is like, "Um, but what do you know? Like, do I know enough, right? I think that that's very common. So how did you overcome that self-doubt? When I first started Girl Talk, I don't know if I was running on adrenaline or I was just like, okay, I'm not going to fail. I did not have those doubts. And actually the doubts got worse as I got more successful. I always think back to when I was doing my first event and people would literally say to me, what does women supporting women even mean? Because I was throwing this big women's event. And I laugh now because it's a viral hashtag. But at the time I was just like, I'm not taking no for an answer and I'm just going to do this. And it was my easiest event that I ever threw. And then afterwards, when I have an audience and people have actually heard of my event, it got a little bit more tougher. And I think I got in my head and I created those expectations and cared even more what people were thinking because now people were like watching where before no one was watching because no one knew who I was. No one knew who my what my company was. So it was almost like I didn't have anything to lose. And it was just a beautiful process to go through both because now I'm just like, yes, of course, that doubt sneaks in always. But I just realized that no one's really paying attention to you. They're worried about themselves. And the only person that you really need to, quote unquote, impress and make happy is yourself. And that's how I get through any doubt that I have with anything now. So when I listen to what you're saying is that you were less scared when you felt like you had nothing to lose. So in a way, it was really good that you didn't have much going for yourself yet. You're like, wait, we just got to push this forward. But then when... When you became more successful, the self-doubt creeped in a little more. And that's, I think, very interesting to to hear because I, I do think that we all deal with it and that it's not a sign of not being successful. Like actually the, the self-doubt can, can really creep in when we are more successful and when there's more expectations. And that's a big word, the expectation, not only from ourselves, but from other people, from the feedback that you've received, what was good, what was not good, what to improve, what to keep doing, right? 
Yeah, it was like almost like a clean slate. And then as you start anything, there's always doubts and you have those moments of like, like I had this moment when I was reading my book, like, wait a second, what am I doing? So when there's things on the line and people watching, I feel like doubt creeps in a little bit more. And that's where you just get to do the work and remind yourself like, why are you doing this? What are you doing it for? What is it that you want to experience? And it just helps with that self-talk to get you out of your head. Because when you're really doubting yourself, I do think it has to do with expectations and also what other people might think about it. Yeah, I feel that. So what are the ingredients in your daily soup that you need to meet your needs and to feel happy daily? Ooh, listening to myself. So in the morning, I have a practice. It could literally be five minutes. It doesn't have to be a crazy hour. I feel like so many people are like, I can't have this hour morning routine. But if you start the day off just asking yourself, like, what's an intention for today? Or let me write down something. Or let me just feel into my body, whether it's like a yoga pose or kundalini or just like a five-minute journaling. If your first couple thoughts of the day can be, how am I feeling right now? You're able to cultivate that love inside of yourself because there's a little girl in there. There's a little boy in there. There's a little person in there that's like, hey, what about me? And so if you just pay attention to yourself in the morning, and that's just the only ingredient that you even have in the soup, that's going to change your life and be one of those little steps where even your confidence builds, your trust in yourself, because it's like, hey, you're actually paying attention and asking me questions. So of course, I'm going to trust you. Yeah, exactly. Because confidence comes really from within, knowing that you can count on yourself, that if you tell yourself, this is what I'm going to do today, or this is what I really want, you know, like for you to experience that you act upon it. Or for me, it's oftentimes in self-care where I may have a really busy day and I love my work. I love everything I do, but I do overwork myself. But I like to kind of prep for it. Like, what do I need today to feel balanced and to make this all go smooth and where I don't feel frazzled and completely fried at the end of the day? And oftentimes that is a, a beach walk. I live near the beach. can be going for a swim, so I can't think properly. I just have to breathe. <laughs> yeah. I personally really enjoy spending time with friends because, you know, you get into a conversation that's not about yourself, right? It's just like taking yourself out or you can obviously discuss the day, which is great therapy, right? Just kind of like, hey, we talk a little bit about my day, about your day, and let's now talk about something completely different and you come home refreshed. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same thing as a friend or a partner. If you're like, hey, how are you feeling? Like, You have to do the same thing for yourself. That's a really big self-care. I talk about that so much in the book because the way that you love yourself is what you do for your self-care. I love that you use the example of the love languages. This book, The Five Love Languages, is written by Dr. Gary Chapman. So for anyone that has not read the five love languages, the five languages love languages are physical touch, acts of service, words of affirmation, gift giving, and quality time. Now, can you explain what the love the five love languages are and how you apply them to yourself instead of it being in a love a love relationship? Yeah, that's something that I learned too. I'm like, okay, well this is what I crave and what makes me feel really seen for my partner. Like, how can I turn this around for myself? If it's quality time, then go take yourself on dates, go on the beach walk, like pay attention to yourself. If it's physical touch, maybe you actually like to get massages, take baths, like get out and do movement, words of affirmation. Then the way that you love 
the way that other people acknowledge you, you get to be doing that to yourself times 10 because it's great to have outside validation. But what really is built and will, will feel so good is that only when you get that validation from yourself does it matter and everything else is a bonus. So I love the five love languages and I think it's so amazing to turn that around and have that be a compass for your own self love. Yeah, I never thought of that way. So when I read it, I was like, uh, yeah, it makes total sense. We're going to take a quick break, but stick around until the end where I get Sarah's top tips and advice for becoming a money magnet. The best travel experiences are more than just vacations. They shape who we are. And they bring us closer to the people and places we love. This is the magic of travel. I'm Bruce Wallen, and in my 20 plus years as an editor and writer, I've covered the world's most extraordinary travel experiences for places like Rob Report, National Geographic, and Departures. And I've met some incredible people along the way. The people who make that magic happen. For the first time, I'm inviting you to join me in a little-known world of luxury travel innovators, connoisseurs, and tastemakers, an exclusive group of industry leaders with a passion for the very best of travel. With every episode of Travel That Matters, you'll get access to insider knowledge, secret getaways, unforgettable luxury hotels, and one-of-a-kind travel experiences to expand what you thought was possible. Like venturing into the jungle, and coming face to face with rare wildlife. The experience that we had lives within my heart. I don't think I'll ever leave those incredible moments, those gentle giants all around us. Or paying for an extravagant vacation and having no idea what you're in for. They never know where they're going. It almost doesn't matter, you know, whether you take people to Jungle Desert Mountain. It's what happens when you're there that's important. Set off for adventure every other week with Travel That Matters. Each episode is packed with stories to get you dreaming about your next trip and expert advice to help make it happen. Open the door to extraordinary experiences where every minute carries meaning and every moment brims with wonder. The power of travel is huge. It changes people's lives. This is why we travel. This is Travel That Matters. Welcome back. I'm talking with Girl Talk Network CEO, Sarah Pendrick. Now you also teach how to have hard conversations because in any relationship, you're going to have some confrontational conversations that we not really like to have, but are going to be really powerful if you do know how to, right? Like how to address it, how to not make it into a conflict, but a real conversation. Now, I have a, an example of a tough conversation that I would like for you to address. I'm going to read it and just like close your eyes, take it in. And I'd love to hear how you have this conversation. Okay. A dear friend of mine felt really drained after an out-of-state friend visited her over the weekend. Her friend is a bit of a mess and is dealing with a lot of anxiety. The anxiety totally rubbed off on my friend, and even though she loves her out-of-state friend so much and she wants to support her, this was just too much. 
She knows she needs to address this, as the next trip is already on the books, and she does not want to repeat this weekend. How can she lovingly address this issue, be honest with her, and set her boundaries? Yeah, so this is what I would do. I would ask for permission to have a conversation. Be like, hey, can we set up a FaceTime or can we set up a phone call? You could even say like, I really want to talk to you about this weekend and or last weekend when you were here and just some things that I'm thinking about. So you schedule the call so they don't feel blindsided. And so Mm -hmm. they can kind of see. Also, someone with anxiety also knows that they probably weren't at their best during the weekend. Maybe they don't. Maybe they do. Either way, you get to ask permission to open up that door so that they feel loved and have permission to have the call. When you're on the call, start with, not you made me feel, but start with things that are positive and be like, because I care about you, I want to have this conversation. When you were here last weekend, I experienced, so it's never you made me feel or you did this or I was drained because of you. It's always saying from your experience. You're not pointing fingers. You're not saying you did this to me. It's like, hey, this is what I felt. Exactly. And you Mm -hmm. don't, because so many times, and I used to use this language too, and that's where a person feels attacked is it's like, you made me feel, or you acted totally crazy and you were really negative. So the person's not able to like, they're going to go on the defense and they're going to feel like their like nervous system is going to feel attacked. Mm -hmm. And so they're not even able to come from a a place of love. They stop listening altogether, right? Yeah. It's like your words don't even matter at that point. So if you could just open the conversation some way with open hearts, like, I love you. My intention is to like get on the same page and to share openly. Like, do you have that space for this right now? And obviously I want to hear how you feel. And then saying what I experienced this weekend. And then also you could say, I've watched you these last couple of weeks or these last couple of months and it breaks my heart and I want to know how I can support you. And also know that when I see you next weekend, I can't repeat this same thing just for my own, own mental health. So mm-hmm. what do you think about that? And letting them explain where they're coming from and you guys come to a good agreement. And if you can't come to a good agreement, you just have to stick to your boundaries and not see that person that weekend. And just know that you're ultimately, you're helping yourself, but you're also ultimately helping them. Because if you continue to enable them, you're saying no to yourself, you're abandoning yourself and you're not, and you're enabling them to where they're never going to be able to see it themselves if someone doesn't tell them. Right, exactly. And so even though the, the you know, the, the person that is dealing with the anxiety probably, yeah, very much knows that she is not her very best in this friendship. But if it's not really addressed and if if it's accepted, then she may also not need to change it, right? And so if one of your best friends is actually saying, hmm, your level of anxiety has gone up, it's not, you know, it's just really at a at a, in a place that is unhealthy and it's rubbing off on me. can And, and this is like where this person is going to take responsibility. Ooh, right? Like, I don't want to not be friends anymore. I want to spend time with you. I want to show up differently. Not for you, for me, right? But it does need to be addressed. And I think that if we can hold up a mirror for one another, that really like gentle mirror and say, hey, you know, I'm sure you're aware, but you may not be aware how it's making me feel. And that's what I need you to understand too, right? Yeah. You might not be aware of what I'm experiencing or I'm watching you suffer and I don't want, I care about you. So yeah. I don't want you to suffer anymore. Not at all. This is a, and a good example of probably girl talk, women supporting women. What does that mean? What does that mean for you? Like when, how do you need to be supported, Sarah? 
What I need has evolved through the years, but I originally started Girl Talk because I wanted it for a place. I wanted it to be a place that any woman can go to find their energy matches and to feel their support and not feel alone. Because obviously I created what I needed. I felt alone. I moved to LA. I didn't see, I didn't know any other women, female entrepreneurs. Now through the years, it's progressed and I know how to advocate for myself. And I also know how to tell my friends how to support me. And I don't have any reservations or vulnerability in telling people what I need from them. And I also allow them the space to tell me as well. And if I've ever had friendships that are like, oh, I don't, I don't really understand that, then that's great. You don't need to be like one of my best friends because this is what I need to thrive in my life. And this is the type of friendships that I want to have. And that's where you get to be empowered and sharing what kind of support you need, but also be more than willing to be giving it back. So just the open communication. But it started off from a place, Girl Talk started off from a place of feeling like I was different. And then now I have so many people around me that have the same vision, that want to support When I did my book launch, I just saw how many women, even Instagram friends like Jill, like they were just like, how can I support you? Like, this is amazing. So once you start declaring what you want to have and also be willing to give it to other people, you're just going to see it come around you in your daily life, like opportunities and people that you never thought that you would be surrounded by. Yeah, it's kind of magical, isn't it? When you become more and more yourself and you are speaking your truth and you become less of a people pleaser, you actually attract all the things that you want in your life. You're like, oh, shit, I should have done this way, way earlier in my life. <laughs> now, I, I would like to touch down on some difficult emotions. And, and that's for, you know, like something that some of the listeners may deal a lot with, maybe a little, may, you know, it's hardly anyone that does not deal with any jealousy, right? The mm-hmm. feeling of... Of, of being jealous of looking at someone's life or success and and just feeling that jealousy, not necessarily thinking, oh, that person shouldn't have that success or not, you know, like have that life, but a feeling of, why don't I have that, right? That's more what jealousy is to me. Like, and, and you can also uh, fill me in on that. Like, what does it mean to you? And, and let's talk a little bit more about the, the actual emotion that we're feeling and then how we can use it in a positive way for ourselves. There's a chapter of the book, the self-care chapter, where I go through some of these feelings and just reminders and how you can move through them. So... When you feel jealousy, that's when you get to show up for yourself and have compassion and talk yourself through it. And so the first part of my life where I didn't have the tools to talk myself through it, I was just in reaction. Now I have the tools and I want to show up for myself. So I'm able to think about it. I'm able to say, oh, why am I feeling that right now? Is this something that I actually want? Okay, this is actually something I want. Sometimes it's actually something I really don't even care about and I don't want that thing. Am I happy for that person? How can I reframe this that if this has happened for her and this is something that I want, that's just a sign from the universe that it's on its way to me. Mm, I like that. And so that's the way that I will handle it. And in friendships, which has been a new, like of the last couple of years development, all of our friends, we give each other the permission to talk when we're feeling something like that. Cause we know it's not a personal thing. I'm not jealous of you because I don't like you. There's something in me that needs to be processed. And that's also like a very good thing to remind yourself of. It's not that you're a bad person. It actually is showing up because it needs some attention. There's something there for you. Maybe a little gift wrapped in some in a negative emotion. 
It's a, you know, it's so hard and I'm not saying it's not hard, but our triggers and those little things that get to us and those little jealousies, whatever it is, it really is some just shining a light for us. Like, oh, there's a part or there's a section of your life that needs attention from you. Yeah. And you describe it in your book as the four A's to get out of comparisonitis. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that word, right? As, as if comparing is a disease. So can you walk us through the four A's to get out of comparisonitis? So awareness, which is like actually realizing it's happening. Because so many times, especially on social media, you're just on autopilot. Like, yeah, you're just like scrolling through and then you, you might like, if you're really attuned into your body, that might feel like, oh, I didn't like that. Like if you're not, you're just, you're just flying by and having all these emotions and you feel like crap after and you're like, what's up? So actually tuning in to when you start feeling those things and finding out where is it when you go on social media? Is it when you go to the beach or a pool because you're comparing your body? So first asking yourself, when does this show up for me the most so that you could have that awareness? And awareness might be just your important step because so many times we aren't aware of it. The second one is acceptance. So the acceptance is just where you know and have compassion that everyone goes through this and there's nothing wrong with you. And then when you're going to say the affirmation, it's kind of what I said earlier of the reframe. Like, okay, like I know this about myself. What does this mean? Does this mean that there's an area that I want to work on or it's okay that I have, this could just be a thought. And maybe like it takes 90 seconds for this motion to go through me. Maybe I just need to sit here. Yeah. And then the action part, could it be that, oh, you know what? I am desiring this life or, you know, a physique, a stronger body, or I want to be more healthy. I want to have a, a glow on my face. I want to smile more whatever it is. If you can think of an action that could get you towards living that life too, it can all show up for you. And, and it's coming up because there may be a desire that that's what you want. And sometimes it's not, but you can also be very clear. Is this what I want for me? Is this viable? Is this fun? Is this something I want to work towards? Is this worth my time? Or am I just like, you know, fuzzing about something because I got too much social media time on my hands? Yeah, exactly. All important questions to ask yourself because sometimes when you feel that initial jolt of jealousy and can convert it into inspiration and motivation and then thank jealousy for that, then you're on a really good path. Yeah. And it's the same with anything. Like we could just think and envision, which I think is so important and part of the process. But if you don't follow it up with action, then nothing's going to happen. So you get the awareness, you think about it, but then you don't do anything about it. You're just going to get into comparisonitis. So it could even simply be all the things that you said. It could also be like, I need to get off social media for the day and I need to have like real boundaries with it or whatever it is. It's just as long as you take a tiny little bit of an action step, we learn this in business. Like you have an idea. Okay. What's your next first step? You don't have to know all the answers. Just take a tiny bit, tiny step so that you're showing the universe, Hey, I'm showing up for this change and then change and shifts start to occur. Yeah. And then the next step and the next step. And before you know, you're well on your way. Now, I would love to talk about your business. I noticed that you have a course, Money Magnet. I loved, I love the name because who does not want to be a money magnet? Now, you have created a seven-figure business uh, for yourself and it's super impressive. Now, I know that Girl Talk festivals have probably not been live during this mm-hmm. pandemic. So I'd love to hear like how you build your business. Let's say, say, how did you start your business? How did you grow it? And how do you continue to grow it? So how I started it, which is obviously a little bit different, in 2015, 
I came up with the idea. I just wanted women to come together and I wanted to have programs and different events for women. I didn't have all the answers. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to do an event. So I did an event in Manhattan Beach where I live, got my community involved. That was how I kicked off the business in officially in 2016. And then from there, I started a women's entrepreneurship membership. And then I would have my event every six months, which led to the once a year festival, which no, I have not had that in two years, but I started doing things online. And then I just started creating courses. Like you mentioned money magnet, like courses that just empower women, like everything that I did. My book is around that. My programs around that. I have masterminds that bring women together and coach them on how to stand in their power, but also launch and create their own businesses. So for me, I just keep doing things that I'm excited about and that I know that will help other people. And I don't marry myself to it to where, okay, I've had this mastermind for the last three years. That means I have to have it forever. Like I allow things to run its course and get excited for something new if I want that. So I just really give myself the freedom in business to create what I want, but always going back to why am I doing this and who is this for? And so who is it for? So it's for women and I have a place for women in all stages of life, depending on my program or the event or what you go to. It started out for women that just felt like they wanted to have more and wanted to have that map and support. And then it really started gearing towards more towards female entrepreneurs And now it's both. It's programs for women that just know that they want to have more in their life and they want to know how to really cultivate cultivate love inside themselves so they can have power and boundaries and freedom in their life personally. That's where I do like personal self-development coaching. And that's where I bring my psychology background into it. And then there's places for entrepreneurs. Like we get to be financially free as women and not have any shame around that and also teach other women to do the same. And that's super fulfilling because it also creates a ripple effect. Like when, mm-hmm. when women are empowered and making their own money, you know, it shows to their children that women are equal to men. Obviously, that's, you know, that's, that's not new. But if you really think about it, if you think about your mother and her mother in you know, previous generations, that was not the message, right? So it is mm-hmm. somewhat new in this generation where it's just like, yeah, of course, like this is how we go about our lives. And the ripple effect is too that you can take care of so many others, right? If you're feeling abundant, if you feel like you're in charge of a business or if you love what you do, it just it, not even talking about money, but just talking about feeling like you're contributing in a way that makes mm-hmm. you happy. When you go to sleep, you feel like you contributed something to this world that was of value and what you got back was valuable to you, right? It doesn't have to be money, but also a feeling of uh, fulfillment, like your heart is just full. And, and that's something to check in with yourself every day again. Now, when I think about all the things that you offer, especially during the pandemic where you could not do the Fit Girl Talk Festival, where you couldn't, I was going to say Fit Girl, but it's Girl Talk Festival. <laughs> and so you haven't been able to do the Girl Talk Festival during the pandemic. So what was your source of income during that time? How were you able to generate income? Like what was the biggest money magnet thing that you were able to do and felt really happy about? Yeah. So I was writing Beautifully Brave during that time. So obviously I had my advance, but I also needed to keep my business going. And we had a lot of shifts. I had our mastermind, which is women entrepreneurs that soul meet business. And so I had our mastermind, which was online. 
we would meet on Zoom and we just had our first retreat in person two months ago, finally able to meet in person. But I was able to create that connection online, even though in person, you know, there's a different level of connection, but it was so strong with the women that were in the, in my mastermind that it felt so fulfilling and so amazing to be together during the pandemic. And then I have other things like brand partnerships and my courses that are like an automated income. Thank you so much. Thank you, God, that I have those that to where people are on, it was all, it's all online. So I didn't have to worry about not being in person other than our big event. Oh, it's so good to have that automated sales come in. And do you have like a really good tip for someone that has a course ready to go? How did you advertise it? How does it get the exposure that you want? Because there's so many courses to choose from, right? How did you get your course out there? The first round I had built my audience first. But at the same time, I don't want to discourage anyone that's listening that doesn't have a quote-unquote audience yet because I sold out my first women's event without an audience. I went around to businesses. I got people that I know and had different connections and wanted to be involved and other people like shared what the event was. So you still can do things without an audience. But I didn't launch my courses until after I built that trust and community And so that to where they were like, hey, we want to work with you. How can we? So then I started creating courses based on what they needed in their life. And then I would promote them through Facebook, through social media, through email lists. So that's why I love, and anyone can do this to start building your audience, whether it's starting a podcast, starting an email list, starting on social media, just a place where you can start gathering community and then you can create something. Or you could also, for people that don't have an audience and you're really like you've created this course that's so amazing. You're like, I know this will change people's life. Maybe you can partner with someone that has an audience and do an affiliate thing if they really believe in what you're doing too. And they could be the sales arm for your course. That's good advice for sure. Now we're coming to the end of this interview and I want to ask you one more question. Sarah, what advice would you have given your younger self if you're looking back you know, at your younger years And now like where you're standing in your power aligned with what you want and you know exactly what you want in your life and have so much going for yourself. What would you tell your younger self? I would have told my younger self and I still do to this day, the little girl inside is to trust the process and to trust that everything is happening for you and everything that you're dreaming about is going to happen. Trust the process. And also, I love that if you have made a decision that you don't like anymore today, you can change it, right? You don't have to be the decision that you made uh, two years ago, not even two days ago. If you don't like the decision you made, change it. You have the freedom to do that for yourself. And that's a great freedom too. Exactly. That's right. And if you need some more inspiration, motivation, and you want to hear more about the subjects that we touched on on in this podcast, grab the book Beautifully Brave from Sarah Pendrick. Thank you so much, Sarah. I had so much fun talking to you and I can't wait to see what else you're going to do in the near future. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. You're amazing. Thanks so much to Sarah Pendrick for joining me on the show today. Cultivating our own self-love is one of the most important things we can do. And it helps out not only us, but those around us. Now is the time to take the first step to empowering ourselves. If you want more unconventional and fulfilling tips from Sarah, visit our show notes and check her out on the Girl Talk Network. 
This show was produced and edited for Kurtco Media by AJ Mosley. Until next time, my friends, have a beautiful day. Kurtco Media. Media for your mind.